Welcome to the latest episode of the Denver Broncos UK podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Ritchie, as usual, I'm joined by Dave Hazelden and Stuart Bunton. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, yeah. How you doing, bud? So, the NFL draft returned this weekend. Some Finally, some sporting action for us to witness. Well, sporting action of some kind. Um, not actually out on a field, but it's uh, it'll do for now. And the Broncos picking up ten new players. Started off in the first round, wide receiver Jerry Judy coming in out of Alabama. Stuart, I don't know if, if you were probably as a postman, you weren't watching it live because you have to be up early, but I was watching it live and I was certainly pumped when it happened. What what was your reaction whenever you found out that's who the Broncos picked? Well, I uh, I found out on the Friday morning and I couldn't believe he'd gone um, as far down the board as he could. When you look at all the experts and all the... Uh, or should I say so-called experts and the and the draft people, that he was the best wide receiver um, available. And for him to fall in, in the lap at 15, not having to move, not having to draft, uh, not having to trade up or down, um, it just it set the tone really for um, for a really good draft. Um, the better, to get the best wide receiver, uh, you, you can't ask for, for more than that, I don't think. Yeah, Dave, is that... It was kind of the leading receptions in a stacked Alabama receiver room, which included yeah. Ruggs, who went before him. I think 24 touchdowns, two, almost 2,500 yards in the last two seasons combined. So he definitely brings another weapon there opposite Cortland Sutton, doesn't he? Oh, definitely does. I mean, I think I, I read something where it said the only reason Ruggs was so, so productive was because everyone was making Judy all the time because of his route running ability. So I do believe he is the best wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, and Stuart, then round two as well, KJ Hamler coming in. I know I was surprised that we went with two wide receivers, but to get Judy and Hamler there, that really transforms one of the worst rooms productive production-wise in the NFL and now looks like it could be one of the best. Uh, yeah, um, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about him. Um, I'm a defensive person, not a not an offensive person, as everybody will will uh, will know. But um, he's um, was coming in apparently with um, back end of first round um, gradings. Um, he's another one who's extremely fast, extremely good route running, um, can be a returner, I believe, from what I've uh, from what I've been reading about him. Um, and he's going to be. I was just saying to Dave before. He, He's going to be a person that once he lines up at the side there, we could end up with Cortland Sutton being the slowest wide receiver on the field. And to say that is quite fantastic, really, when when you see Cortland Sutton speed down the field. So um, the fans ask for speed, the the coaches have asked for speed, um, and that's exactly what we've got. Yeah, Dave, how do you see that receiver room shaping up now? Well, he won a 40 in 4.27. That's, that's, you know, wow. That is quick. I mean, I think that, looking at it, I think the next, the next speed throw is Deontay Spencer at 4.27. And after that, you're looking at Philip Lindsay on 4.39. So, you know, that, that, that receiver, somebody's going to, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, get a touch of cutitis, but, when he went wide receiver second round, I couldn't believe it. I thought, Jesus, John, you're going for it. You know what I mean? I suddenly realised which way this draft was going. I thought, he, 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 
After Super Bowl 48, he turned around and he said, defence wins titles. That He wants a defence. He went out and bought himself, got himself a nice defence, and two years later, he won a Super Bowl. Last year, he said, we need speed on offence. This year, he's gone out and got us speed on offence. Are we looking at uh, number four in two years, lads, or what? You know what I mean? Um, just amazing, amazing. Just I've got I've got um, Trevor Judge on Twitter put down uh, the Broncos' offense forty times, and I'm just looking at it, not including the the people who are going to get cut at the moment. That is frighteningly quick. You know what I mean? If if Drew Lock can get rid of that ball, under you know two seconds or just under two seconds. You know any thoughts of Garrett Balls being? You know, a bad uh, a bad player. He's going to go out the window because he's not going to have chance for old. It's just frightening how quick we're going to be. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, so, Stuart, it seems like now that Elway, as kind of Dave mentioned there, has decided that you can't get a defence quick enough to cover the Chiefs all the time. You've got to be able to put up enough points. You're not going to win the game with 21 points against them. Um, so... Do you kind of agree with that way now that you've got to look to put points up on the Chiefs as well? Yeah, um, <clears throat> you've got to put points up against everybody. That we used to have, uh, we used to have a thinking that twenty-four points could win you sixteen out of seventeen games, eighteen out of nineteen games. Ho- however, you want to want to look at it. You look at the Patriots when they went and just blew teams away. Uh, Denver two thousand thirteen when we just used to go out and just blow teams away. There will come a time where you will need both. Um, and we've been one-sided for a couple of years now. So the fact that we're going to have to go and put points on people to stay in the games. Um, when I was watching um, I was watching some NFL programme over the weekend with the draft on there, and I can't remember who it was, but it, I think it was Ed Reed. And he said, what teams are going to have to learn how to do now is draft an offence and free agency buy and pay a defence. Um, which means like the Chiefs' prototype is now is... They've got all these players on um, rookie contracts and all key points and places. Um, the Patriots have always had it where Brady would take a pay cut to pay all these people. You're going to have to pick up free agency, defensive players, veterans, people that you know can plug and play straight away, whereas you're going to have to roll the dice a lot more on offensive players. Elway seems to be taking the um, the speed option, like we mentioned before. He seems to be taking the, I want my skill players to be cheaper, so that I can pay my veteran players to be defenders yeah. rather than um, offensive players, which is a bold move if you look at it, because all it takes now is one defence, if you like, to be of um, of strength. Your team goes up against them like we went up against the Seahawks, and you get blown out, and then you've got to rethink your whole game plan. Um, if you look at the Chiefs there, the last couple of seasons, they've had some wild games where they've come back because their offence has been just wowser. But they've also been let down by defence not being good enough. And there's a fine balance between it. And I'm hoping that we will have this fine balance, especially with the coaches we have, to enable us to be productive, score points, but also not be in that bracket of conceding 20, 25 points every game as well. Yeah, it's a team like defensively it appears to be much more balanced than the 2013 Broncos. And 100%, definitely yeah. than the... Yeah. Uh, Chiefs team at the moment like, like, that's the importance I, I'm guessing you know if you're going to draft the offence and buy the defence and then that's kind of why you get someone like Vic Fangio and you can still take charge of that defence and make guys like Alexander Johnson and other undrafted yeah. players play up 
I was just going to say, if you if you look at the way that um, Broncos were in 2013, they were so offensive heavy that it didn't matter who's had on defence because they were going to score more points than you. Um, the Chiefs have got that attitude at the moment, and now they've run into a into a position where they don't want to pay. If you look at the Chris Joneses that are still not not been picked up, they, the Eric Berry. They've got any money though, have they? No, they haven't. They haven't got money at the moment now. But this is where this is where this uh, draft plan and this agency plan will come to a sticky loggerhead because you will have to pick and choose and hope you get a lot of value picking up free agency. Now the Chiefs. I've done it really well for the last couple of years and they've built their fantastic 10 out of 11 starters on offence coming back, which Denver should be able to do for the next two, three, four years easily to keep up with the way of the the new NFL, if you like. But on defence, you're going to have to chop and change a lot of players. Um, People aren't going to work out. You don't want to pay them much. You don't want to pay them loads. But then you need to have that one superstar that's going to be able to cover everybody, if you like. It was always Eric Berry. He was the voice of the Chiefs. He was the voice of the defence. He was this, that and the other. He organised everybody. Last year, they had Tyron Matthew do it really well. They had Chris Jones on the defensive line pulling out all sorts of fantastic plays. Well, now these people want paying. And when the money runs out, they're going to have to cut people. And this is where it gets to the cutthroat. But going back to us, um, the way that we've got it at the moment there, Chris Harris thought he was worth more money than he was because he he lost money on the open market. Derek Wolf lost money in the open market. Shelby Harris came back to us cheaper than what he wanted because he's got no money on the open market. And this is where Denver, with Vic Fangio, rather than a John Fox um, that we had there, will just keep picking up these fantastic little mini deals, if you like. The, the Zach Kerr we picked up a couple of years ago to, to cover um, a wide variety of holes. The Shelby Harris pickup in the first place, Brandon Marshall pickup, Danny Trevathan, we haven't drafted these players. They've come to us from other teams and we've picked them up and taken them and got them further forward than we, than we would have thought at the time. It's like it goes back to the 97, 98 teams where you've got Terrell Davis, sixth round. You've got Shannon Sharp, seventh round. You've, you know, you've Mark Schlereth in the 10th or 11th round originally with Washington. All these people that were undrafted and that, that's where you make your money. The first and second rounds are the fancy picks. But you make your money yeah. later rounds of the drafts on what you're able to do with people that haven't got jobs. I felt more comfortable with like three th- third rounders than what I did, you know, in, in just having like uh, one third round, more fourths and fifths. I just felt third third round was where he would do his business. But it's like uh, just a quick note on what Stuart said about the uh, the Chiefs player about him being a leader. It's worth noting that every single player that John Elway drafted in this year's draft was either a team leader or a captain. So that's it's obvious that's obviously the um what he's going for, you know, that that's the idea he's going for, the mindset as well. Yeah, and Dave, if anything, what this draft has shown is that Drew Locke is the guy now. The John Elway's put all his faith in Drew Locke. He's drafted him a number of weapons, he's gone and got him his old tight end from Missouri as well. So this kinda is the all in on lock draft. That was we was noteworthy, wasn't it? That both Elway and Vic asked Locke about Albert O and what he thought of him. For me, that that absolutely said, then this is your team. You know what I mean? We're putting our faith in you. Do you want him? And, and it's nice to go into. It's a weird. It's a weird off season and whatnot now with this uh, coronavirus because 
you know, the rookies should be in camp and stuff now. Uh, but but it's just nice knowing there's no no competition at quarterback now. The team can just get on with it, and you know, Drew Lock gets his reps with who he needs to get them with. Then uh, Stuart will talk a bit of defense now for you, when, when, which is where the Broncos went with two of their third round picks: Michael Ojemudia, the cornerback from Iowa, and then McTelvin Ajim, the defensive lineman from Arkansas. What did you make of those two picks? Um, Ajimudi is absolutely yeah, a fantastic pick. There, I did um, want Bryce Hall. Um, I'd watched a bit of tape on Bryce Hall there. He was absolutely perfect for us. Um, but, um, yeah, the cornerback from Iowa comes in. He's perfect, perfect complement to uh, Boye on the other side. Um, some Somewhere I was reading that he um, he could cover some slot plays, but I don't think he will. I think he'll just go straight to being X and Y with, um, with Boye. And then you've got Bryce Callahan um, in the slot, which is the ultimate... Um, three cornerbacks in um, in a nickel set, so um, extremely happy, um, very 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 happy to get him still to be there as well. When when you look at the defense needed teams that were drafted in front of us, I was thinking second round pick we pick forty six, we might have to take our corner, um, and obviously um, the Broncos know a lot more than me because they've got fantastic value in the third round with people that I didn't really expect to be there. Um, Ajim coming in as well. He's another one that just is, he plays all across the line. Um, he's very very um, agile and he's quick on his feet. Um, and he just come in there and he would just be able to rotate uh, rotate himself around there. It'll be him and um, if if we end up going um, four fronted, I think he'll end up going um, sliding in the side with um, Jones from last year's draft, and that's going to be quite a good uh, quite a good prospect with um, Jarrell Casey on one side of him. And then you're going to have Von Miller um, sliding down to defensive end on the odd occasion, um, and uh, and you're going to get uh, you're going to get a very good pass rush. And when they want to slide Von Miller onto linebacker outside there, you can just throw Shelby Harris in there, and then that's just going to be lights out for a lot of teams. We're going to make a lot of teams throw early this year, and with the cover corners we've got, we should be able to to get a lot of three and outs and and force a lot of pressures. And then Dave. In between those two defensive players, the Broncos plugged a hole in their offensive line, drafting Lloyd Cushenberry III, the centre out of LSU, um, his team's MVP in 2019 and a first-team All-SEC. You know, for many, a second-round, well, possibly even end of the first-round, high second-round pick, and great value there for the Broncos to pick him up at pick 83, and he should be an immediate starter. Oh, definitely, because it's just worth noting that I actually picked McTelvin Asium as one of my picks last week. So I was really chuffed with that pick. Uh, yeah, Cushenberry, and, and he wasn't a first third-round pick either. So, you know, Elway's showed some balls and some nerves of steel by, you know, having an idea who's going to fall. Like I said, I, I wanted Glasgow to stay at, at, uh, at right guard. Um, Cushenberry, absolutely fantastic value. I've seen tape on him. And, and you know, there's not many people going to get past him. He's just going to get better and better in the NFL, isn't he? He's going to get stronger. He's going to get more more prudent. He's, you know, he is definitely a start of him. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start. Brilliant, super pick that was. Hats off again to John Elway for, like I said, ha- having, having the nerves of steel to wait for him to fall. So before we get on to day three of the draft, we'll listen to the chat that I had earlier this week with 
DMVR's Zach Stevens. So I'm delighted to welcome Zach Stevens from DMVR to this week's podcast. Zach, thanks a lot for taking your time to come on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped. So first of all, how are you doing? How are you coping with lockdown over there where you are? Oh, you know, in terms of a Broncos perspective, it, it hasn't changed anything. So my life outside of going to the Broncos and being there for the draft and being there for things hasn't changed at all. The Broncos are, are chugging along. Thanks for asking. And you guys at DMVR, did a, you covered the draft in a new way this weekend. What was that like? Oh, it was a blast. We did a, we did a live coverage, so had live coverage on day one and day two of the draft. And, you know, we had RK holding it down and just hopping on. And then with the Broncos, they did a great job, too, because uh, we got to talk to every single draft pick right after they were picked. So in terms of a content perspective and getting to know these guys, it, it was just like a normal draft. And then obviously the first round on Thursday night, the Broncos picking up Jerry Judy, the wide receiver, which I was hyped about. Um, what, what was your reaction to that pick? I think that's a great word that you use. Hyped, man. I was, I was pumped. It was a fantastic, fantastic pick. I would have been so okay with the Broncos trading up to get Jerry Judy. About that 10, 10 range, I was willing to give up a third and a fourth if it came down to it to move up to get Jerry Judy. And you don't even have to give up a third and a fourth to get Jerry Judy. He was a top 10 player in this draft, in my book, at a position of need, at a desperate position of need. So if you ever go into a draft outside of, you know, kicker or punter being that position of need, and you come away with the top player on your board, a top 10 player uh, in the entire draft, and it fills a position of need, boom, you did it right there. And what do you think he can bring to the Broncos opposite Cortland Sutton? Immediately, I think he can bring a lot in that I typically would not say that about wide receivers because it typically takes wide receivers a little bit of time to adjust to the NFL. But Alabama has a great track record of having receivers ready for the NFL right away. In fact, I believe of like the past four or five Alabama wide receivers that have been drafted in the first round, They've averaged 950 yards their rookie season. That is huge. And I think Jerry Judy can fall into that category right away. And then in terms of what he can bring throughout his career, he's going to be better than Cortland Sutton. That's what he should be. And Cortland Sutton, he, he's great. That's no disrespect to Cortland Sutton. But I think Cortland, Jerry Judy is going to make Cortland Sutton the best number two receiver in the game. But he's going to be the number two because Jerry Judy is going to be the one. Then hopefully the number three will be the guy the Broncos picked up in the second round, which took me by surprise, doubling up on receivers, KJ Hamler. Were you surprised to see the Broncos double up on receiver? Absolutely. I mean, you and I were thinking the exact same way in the draft, hyped about Judy and surprised about them doubling down just because of the other needs that the team had. And I think they did a great job addressing every need but left tackle during this off season. And I thought that was a route they were going to go because you had some talent there still at left tackle. Uh, so I, I was definitely caught off guard, but the way I viewed this pick was the Broncos got Jerry Judy and a guy that can be close to Henry Ruggs. And I was very, very high on Henry Ruggs as much as I was Jerry Judy in this draft. And if you would have told me that you could land a Henry Ruggs type player and Jerry Judy, I would have said sign me up and that's what they did KJ Hamler didn't get to run the 40 so we don't know his exact speed but uh, you had Vic Fangio saying it was a sub 4-3 you had Hamler saying he would have been competing 
to break John Ross's 4-2-2 40-yard dash. And he's a guy that is a receiver. He's not just speed. So that's why I like the pick is because he brings speed to your offense, but he's not just boomer bust. He's also a, a receiver that can run routes. Then you mentioned there that meant the Broncos didn't address the tackle position. So John always said there'll be an open open competition between Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson, the line's coming up for Bowles' fifth-year option. Do you think the Broncos will pick that up? And how do you feel going into the season with Bowles and Wilkinson as the options there? I don't feel great. And that that's my biggest complaint of the Broncos offseason is not addressing it at all. Once they didn't get one of the top four tackles in the first round, I didn't expect them to get a guy that was going to come in and take Garrett Bowles' job this year. But saying that, I still wanted them to get someone with one of those third-round picks, get a developmental guy in for Mike Munchak that he can mold to take over Garrett Bowles next year. And they didn't do that. So that that was the biggest disappointment, uh, really, of this entire offseason was not addressing that. But the Broncos had so many needs. I knew they weren't going to address every need. I just wish that left tackle wasn't the one need that that they didn't address. And going into uh, this year with, with Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson, look, Garrett Bowles played better down the stretch with Drew Locke. So that gives me some hope. But if you look at his season last year, it, it wasn't good. Led the league in holdings, gave up uh, too many quarterback hits and pressures. That's not something that you want with your young quarterback. You don't want to give him an Andrew Luck uh, situation where uh, he's just, he never has an offensive line. But John always making sure at least the interior of the offensive line is set. And Elijah Wilkinson, he struggled at right tackle last year when he had to play for Juwan James. So when John Elway says it's an open competition between those two guys, and then in the same interview says that we really have to get better there, I got to think that he may be trying something else, whether it's signing uh, Jason Peters or looking at Cordy Glenn. Um, I got to think he's, he's going to try something else. Some people have floated about the idea of Reisner being kicked out to left tackle, obviously with Muti coming in. If he's healthy, he can play guard. What would you think of that if that was to happen? I actually would not like that because I think you got Dalton Reisner at left guard who who's a stud at left guard. Prove that I think he can be a Pro Bowl left guard at some point in his career. Don't mess with that. Don't take a position of strength and and mess with it because maybe maybe he does become uh, just as good of a left tackle, which would be great. But I just think that gamble isn't worth it because if he doesn't and then he can't transition back to guard properly, I, just, I, I don't like that. You drafted a, a great left guard, keep him at left guard. You drafted a center in Cushenberry, keep him at center. And you brought in Graham Glasgow and with the intent of him being your right guard, and the Broncos said that that's where they wanted him ideally. And now after getting Cushenberry, it's pretty clear that he's going to stay at right guard. So I like that. Yeah, and then Cushenberry, sticking with the offense, Cushenberry coming in in the third round, another keeping up with uh, John Elway's method of drafting you know, high character guys. And he seemed to be a bit of a steal there at 83 as well. He really did. I mean, if they would have got Cushenberry at 46, I would have said it was a solid pick. Then they passed up on him at 77, uh, and then they got him at 83. So a fantastic, fantastic value pick for the Broncos there. I mean, he's your plug-and-play center. Uh, like you said, a great leader, 
Uh, he, he was the MVP of LSU last year, of course, the national champions. Th- this guy's going to be here for a long time. And look, you didn't pay Matt Paradis last year. You didn't pay Connor McGovern this year. You lucked in to getting Cushenberry this year. Everything you've done at that center position has, has proved to be excellent so far. And now Cushenberry, with all of his experience, gets to come in and work with Mike Munchak. This is a guy that started playing center just four years ago, and he actually learned the center position from YouTube, watching YouTube videos when he was going to LSU because he knew he was going to have to play center. Uh, That's how he learned the position, and four years later, he's a national champion third-round pick and gets to learn under Mike Munchak. I think his floor is very high, and his ceiling, I think, is just as high. And then the Broncos also turned to the defense in the third round with cornerback Michael Ojemudia and uh, defensive lineman McTelvin Aguim. What sort of roles do you think those guys will be playing this year? Obviously, cornerback, there is kind of the, that second guy opposite AJ Boy is open. Do you think Ojemudia could fill that role this year? Yeah, I think both of these guys have very different roles in- this year. I think Ojemudia uh, is absolutely going to be competing for, for starting time. And whether that's second corner, whether it's at third corner, uh, wherever Bryce Callahan plays, if he's ready to go, Ojemudia is thrown into the competition with everyone else they have. And the Broncos, uh, you know, have so many question marks at corner. They have like five guys, Duke Dawson. Uh, it, you have so many guys there. And Ojemudia is one of those guys. And he's probably the front runner right now to be that second third cornerback so he's definitely going to get a big opportunity and then Ajim I think he's he's the exact opposite you kind of took a project in him he's someone that's flashed fantastic potential but he just needs to be a lot more consistent and you know what it's a good draft pick because he can sit back and learn from Jarrell Casey Shelby Harris Mike Purcell he can learn from these guys and he doesn't really have to play because your fourth guy on the defensive line is going to be Draymond Jones. And then you also have Demarcus Walker. So I think don't expect to see him much this year. And then the, on day three, the Broncos ended up keeping all their picks or so picked up another five guys there. Which was your, which guys stand out on day four there, uh, day three, sorry for you. Well, I got to go with the first one that they picked Albert O course the tight end from Missouri I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name but he said he's okay with just going by Alberto and I like this for so many reasons the first he's got all the tools that you want he's huge and he can fly Noah Fant was extremely fast as a tight end last year the fastest guy in his draft class from the tight end position Alberto even faster than him in fact I think he ran the second fastest 40 time in the past 15 years for a guy that's bigger than six foot five, 250 pounds. So this guy is super fast. And then of course, why I really love it is this is Drew Locke's guy. Drew Locke played with him, uh, his Drew's final two years at Missouri. And Albert O was great with Drew, had 17 touchdown passes in those two years. Drew leaves. Alberto doesn't have the same type of production. And maybe that's why he fell in this draft is people were saying, uh, well, look, Alberto is a product of Drew Locke. Great. Since the Broncos have Drew Locke, that fits perfectly for what they want to do, obviously. And then I just love having a weapon at tight end opposite Noah Fant. I, you can't have enough weapons. And I'm, I'm really happy that the Broncos didn't just focus on weapons at wide receiver. Now you get a weapon 
I think Albert O is going to contribute this year because you look at the guys they have at tight end outside of Noah Fant. Jeff Hireman's not making the team. Jake Butt, unfortunately, didn't work out. I feel so bad for him, but I don't see him making the team. Uh, and then you have Nick Bennett, and he's going to be around, but he's not a receiver. He, he's a blocker. He's your veteran in the room. So I love that you have more than just Noah Fant as a weapon. Then you mentioned earlier that the uh, Broncos had you all on calls with all the players straight away. Who was the guy where you came away from their call thinking you're really glad to be covering them as a Bronco and got you the most hyped on us? You know what? Muti is uh, it is really, really fascinating uh, because of just the, the energy he brings. He's so pumped to be a Bronco. One of the coolest things was uh, he was a second, third round grade in terms of talent in a lot of people's eyes, but injuries just absolutely derailed him. He had three very serious injuries over the past four years, which I'm certainly not going to write off. You can't overlook those. But he was a guy, when we talked to him, he said, oh yeah, I definitely should have been drafted higher. Uh, I think I'm the best guard in the class. Yet saying that, he wasn't mad at the injuries. He wasn't mad at the situation. He was pumped to be a Bronco, pumped to go show people that he should be, should have been the first guard drafted. And with all of that, they got him with the 181st pick in the draft. I love the pick because if it doesn't work out, oh, well, it was a sixth-round pick. You tried. I'm okay with that. If it does work out, you're going to have an awesome problem because you're going to say we have a, a stud in Dalton Reisner at left guard. We have a stud in Graham Glasgow at right guard. And we have to get Mooty on the field. We have to. What do we do? That's a problem that the Broncos haven't had on the offensive line in forever. So I like the player. I like the person. And I love the value. And we've seen Broncos getting draft grades all the way from an A-plus to a C-plus. Where would this – I know it's early. It's best to grade them once they've actually played. But what's your immediate draft grade for this class? I'm going A minus uh, and very, very happy with this draft class because they came away with three day one starters, at least three day one starters uh, in Lloyd Cushenberry, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. Uh, Ojemudia has a chance to kind of be that second, third corner starting. Uh, and then also, I just love the depth they got. They got the depth at tight end. They got the depth at defensive line. Uh, and then I, I just love the Mutai pick because of the potential that that could be. Um, my why I knock them is because they didn't address tackle at all. I mean, throw me a bone, that fifth round pick on a tackle, and then I'm probably going A with this draft. But just since they didn't address that at all, uh, I got to knock them a bit. And Jerry Judy, A-plus pick. And then the Broncos also announced their undrafted free agent signings. One of those normally does make the Broncos roster is there anyone there that you've got your eye on to make the roster this season? Yeah, yeah. It, I'm going to go with cornerback uh, Asong Bassi from Wake Forest. This guy can play. This guy had day three grades on him all over day three. I, I saw from round uh, from five to seven where he could have been picked. He, he goes undrafted. The Broncos pick him up. And like I was saying, they have a lot of cornerbacks in their room. But outside of the top three, and I'm going to put Ojemudie in that conversation as well, there is, you know, two to three spots up for grabs in that cornerback room. And, and Bassey, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but 
hey, Chris Harris Jr. worked out pretty well as a smaller guy, uh, undrafted free agent. So I'm going to go with him. The, the, the name that the money would tell you is Levante Bellamy, running back from Western Michigan. He got the biggest signing bonus, $25,000. That's more than Phil Lindsay got. Uh, and with $35,000 of guaranteed salary as well. So that's an interesting spot because obviously the Broncos are fine at, at one and two running back. But, uh, you know, Kalfani Muhammad is maybe the third guy on the depth chart now. So that's a guy who can also make the roster. And then heading into what we hope will be the 2020 season, where do you think this draft leaves the Broncos? What, what should they be achieving this year? Well, they should be competing for the playoffs at least. Look, we've had five and 11. We've had six and 10. We've had seven and nine. So one game increases each year. But now you don't have a new quarterback. Now you don't have a new head coach. You do have a new offensive coordinator, and that's why I'm not expecting uh, the, the, the stars and the moon from the Broncos this year. But you do finally have some consistency at the two most important spots in your organization, at quarterback and at head coach. And so this team's trending up. I'm not just going to give them a one-game bump and say eight and eight. It should be at least a two-game bump this year. So you should be expecting a winning organization, a nine and seven. Broncos get back to their winning ways and be competing for the playoffs. If they finish nine and seven and don't make the playoffs, initially there's probably going to be a little bit of sting, but you're going to take a step back and say, okay, that was a good season. And then you're really pumped for what's to come next year. But if they do make the playoffs, then obviously you're thrilled. And now there's three playoff spots available, so they should absolutely be competing for the playoffs. And the, the other thing is that's different this year is the virtual off-season program, which I think started today. What sort of impact do you think that will have on the Broncos? It, it's going to have a big impact. And Vic Fangio, after the draft on Saturday, told us that they're taking this very seriously. I mean, you see the Saints just completely canceled. They're saying, we can't get anything out of this. And Vic is saying, oh, no, we're going to push the limits, is what he said, on how much we can get out of this. Uh, the Broncos are allowed to meet for the next three weeks. They're allowed to meet four times a day for two two-hour sessions each day. And from talking to Vic, they're going to maximize all of that. But it does hurt because the Broncos have a new offensive coordinator with a new scheme with a young quarterback. It, it does hurt the Broncos and Drew Locke being able to pick up this offense where you want to be in a situation where, uh, you know, you are rolling with Patrick Mahomes and the system hasn't changed with Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes is good. He's experienced. He's got the playbook down. Those teams, they're not hurt by this. But a team like the Broncos, they, they are a little bit hurt by this. And finally, would you like to tell everyone where they can follow you on social media and subscribe to DNVR? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm at Zach Stevens DNVR. I really appreciate all of the, the support that, that you guys give me. And I love being on. You, you can go to thednvr.com. Uh, to, to follow all of our work there. We got a lot of great draft coverage coming out still. And uh, man, it was awesome being on. Oh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's still some uh, London games later this year. Fingers crossed everything can get sorted out. And then maybe you guys will be over for that as well. Oh man, that would be an absolute blast. I would love nothing more than to be in London this fall. I really, really hope that we can make it work. Right, well... Thanks a lot, Zach, for coming on the show and uh, we hope you have a good rest of the off-season and uh, we'll maybe catch up with you later in the year.
Absolutely. Would love, would love to do that. And hey, you guys stay safe. So thanks to Zach for coming on the show this week. And now we'll get on to day three where the Broncos had five more picks and that started off on in the fourth round, Stuart, with the uh, Drulock's old mate, the tight end out of Missouri. And I've got the pronunciation in front of me. Albert Okuwabunom. So well done. Tight end wasn't a massive need, but he's a guy that runs a four four nine forty, which is a tick quicker than Noah Fant as well. So it's another weapon there and someone that Drew already has that chemistry with. Yeah, well, it, you could, like you said before, I think everyone's mentioned something along the lines of it there, but you mentioned um, before the, the Drew Lock draft, the we'll get the weapons and, and put all our faith in Drew Lock being the quarterback, not having a quarterback uh, quandary this year for the first time in, in quite a few years. Um, the fact that we've all mentioned that, that we're getting faster on on offence, um, it's just, it, it's another weapon to put on the field. He will line up in the slot if you need him in the slot. He's going to line up anywhere you want because he's, he's shown it and he's proved it. He's got the rapport with with um, Drew Locke from college. Uh, it's just another comfortable target for him, third downs. You know, you're going to have him maybe running um, a fade pattern, a streak, a corner, and you're going to have Fant doing something similar. And it's picky poison because you can't cover everybody. Um, with the speed on the wide receivers as well, you've got Melvin Gordon coming at the backfield. He's another person that will stretch the field, which will allow Drew Lock to either drop bombs or the middle of the field is should be and and 99% of the time will be wide open. It will force teams to play zone instead of man against us, which is perfect because your young quarterback will be able to stand there for a couple of extra ticks to make sure he does make the right pass, he does make the right call, he can scan the field. Um, and it's just every pick just that we've picked so far up to this point seems just be a danger pick for everybody else and a really, really good pick for us. Dave, that's a packed tight end room at the moment. Uh, the Broncos have already waved for Coward, yeah. haven't they? And do you think that spells the end of Jeff Hyman and Jake Butt's time in Denver? I think so, because Jeff Ironman just signed a one-year deal, didn't he? I think, uh, He's got, you, you know... He can opt out this year and save about yeah. three million, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you've got you've got him, uh, you know, you look at the likes of Fumi Gali as well, who are, who are probably on the bubble, aren't you? Um, like I said, it, it's just... He's, he's apparently as big as Gronk. Now, I, I admire Gronk for his, for his size and his speed. And if we've got somebody who's quicker, you know what I mean, and younger. I mean, let's not forget how young this this receiving core is or whatever we call it. You know, it's such a, a young offence. You know, apart from, what, probably Glasgow and James, I'm not 100% sure how old they are, but it's such a young offence, what, he's just going to grow grow up together. You know what I mean? And a couple of years' time, it's going to be frightening because... You know, they're going to know everybody. They're going to know each other inside out. You know what I mean? They'll have matured together. They'll have, you know, seen different players together and stuff. It's just, it's just frightening. I just, like I said, you know, the tight end room and the wide receiver room is going to have a massive overall now. And unfortunately, you know, the, the, the aim of the game is the NFL is not for long. And, you know, that that's what uh, definitely two of the tight ends are going to, going to be leaving, I think. Can't afford to keep them all come with us. No space for him, and you're looking at cat wise as well. So definitely think, 
Hoyerman, I think, maybe proved himself last year, but I, I think the rest of them, Fumigali, you know, but I think they're, they're, they're going to go, I think. Yeah, and Hyman, the money is probably as big a reason as any why he'll be moved on and then the Broncos could sniff around yeah. someone else for that price at I mean, a don't more forget, viable position. Uh, I forgot as well, we, we signed Vanett, though, didn't we? Yeah, from, uh, from Pittsburgh. He'll be the third, he's the third tight end at the moment. What as a blocker? Yeah. I forgot about him actually. He's just come to my mind now. So definitely, you know, are, are we going to set more? Are we going to carry more than three tight ends? I, you know, I think Andrew Beck could be in there as kind of the fullback slash. Yeah. He, he kind of he looked yeah. decent last year, didn't he? They'll keep. He did. They'll, he did. <clears throat> they'll keep four tight ends because one will have to swing to be full black block uh, blocking. So you'll either get Vanette do that or you'll get um, Beck do that. But the majority of the time, you can imagine it's going to be Gordon and Lindsay on the field at the same time. So the net will then slide in um, to tight end, and then you probably will have um, Judy Sutton, and then you might you might get Fant or um, I'm not as brave as you, Thomas, to pronounce him, but the the young guy from Miz um, will come and play Albert in the slot, o. maybe Albert O. Yeah, we'll, we'll just call him Albert O for the time being. But yeah. You, that's the sort of uh, that's the sort of formations you I think um, Shermer will will bring into the um, offensive game plan, and it will just mean um, that we'll I think we've got eight tight ends, or we might have seven after the cut earlier on. So um, yeah, it's definitely only right. going to be a maximum of four maximum. You're not gonna you're not gonna get rid of your your fourth round pick who is Drew Lock's best mate and is the main reason you picked him is because he's a fast tight end that gives you the mismatch that all the other teams that are, that are productive um, give you. You're not going to get rid of Fant because he was the best tight end last year. And then you've got Andrew Beck or Nick Vanette that will be your third tight end slash swing fullback. And then there's only one space left. You, you've got injury-prone Hyman, you've got injury-prone Butt, you've got injury-prone Fumagalli, you've got... Um, Who's the one I'm missing? I'm missing somebody else. But you've got him as well. So, all Austin fighting Fort. for one. Austin Fort. Fighting for one space. And, you know, you look at it and, and it's like, you're going to get rid of the injury-prone ones now because they've had the chance. You've picked them up yeah. cheap cheap in the draft. It's yeah. not worked out. It's You know, Hoyman's the only one that's a high draft pick that's not worked out. And it, he was a risk being taken at that time anyway. If he'd paid off, he would have been absolutely outstanding. But he hasn't paid off, and that's just the, the risk you take sometimes. And then round five, Stuart, another defensive guy, Justin Stranada, filling a semi-kind of need at linebacker. He's, um, he, I believe he's, the Broncos are going to play him inside, aren't they? Yeah, he, he, he's, played, um, he's played across the board from what, from what I've read about him Um uh, through through the Twitterverse, um, but he's more likely to to slide inside and um, replace Thomas Davis, uh, Todd Davis on occasions. Um, he's more of a coverage uh, coverage style linebacker. However, he's not as fast as I'd want my coverage linebacker to be, especially coming up against Travis Kelsey's, the Zach Ertz of this world. Um, so that might be a little bit of a gamble, but it's a, another fifth round gamble. Um, we've got Josie Jewell that was that was playing a lot better last year. You've got um, the experience of Todd Davis in that in that room as well. Um, 
it's a good it's a good rate, rated pick from where he was drafted because he was he was uh, given a fourth round um, grading on some of the some of the pages I've had a look at. So um, he must have some he must have something. Um, and you know if 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 he goes ten tackles a game like he was doing in his college career, um, he's going to fit in nicely in the uh, in the interior with um, with Joseph Jewell doing a lot of the coverage. I would think. And then just three picks later, the Broncos went up and got a guard who, if healthy, yeah, possibly the best guard in the draft, Dave, but he's only played five games in the last two years. But in the sixth round, when you've got two high-quality guards already, that's a sort of risk you can take, isn't it, on a high-upside guy like Nitin Muti? He looks an absolute beast, doesn't he? Was it, did he, was it 44 reps at the combine of 250 pounds? The third of the fourth best ever. Like you said, if he, if, if people were saying if he was healthy, he was definitely a first round pick. I just wonder where he's gonna, if he, you know, who he's gonna beat out and where's he gonna play because we've de- we've definitely got, you know, another, another guard there now who possibly could be worthy of. He looks an absolute beast. Him and Cushenberry together, there's nobody breaking through there. Yeah, you think maybe. Two years' time, I think there's an opt-out, isn't there, on Glasgow's four-year yeah. deal. He could then come in there as yeah. a cheap alternative for another couple of years. This is what of... I'm saying, another young, another young, and you know what I mean. They'll they'll all grow together. You just got to uh, you know address maybe right tackle in the next in next year's draft perhaps, because Balls is still relatively young, and I do think he'll do good this season because when Drew Lock come in, his his stats improved. So you got all them growing up together, you know. You get another maybe a right tackle next year or something, a young lad. For a couple, you know, let let him sit behind Joanne James for a couple of years, and you know you've got a pretty young offensive line there who's who's going to last a good while. And then Stuart, the seventh round Broncos picking two guys right at the end, basically guys making sure they, who were going to be undrafted free agents, making sure they got them. Tyree Cleveland, the third wide receiver, picked and. Derek Tusker and Edge from North Dakota State, an FCS, <coughs> one minute, <coughs> an FCS school. What what do you think? They'll be obviously just fighting to make the roster, uh, won't they? Yeah, as as um, as seventh round picks uh, generally do. There, uh, we've we've seen many many times seventh round pick come straight through and undrafted come straight through and just act and play like a first rounder. Um, if they come with the right attitudes, they should get on there. Um, I don't know anything about um, Cleveland, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, the likelihood is seventh round pick is Denver's. I've picked people that might be able just to come on and play special teams. So it might be a returner. It might put a bit of pressure on um, Spencer to see who's going to get that return slot. Um, and then obviously you've got added depth across the defensive line that we're missing quite a few people on. Just to go back on the uh, the guard that we picked up there, he's the swing tackle. Uh, Munchak says he he can easily play right tackle as good as he can play any guard position. So oh, wow. he's he's going to come in. Um, obviously, he's had all the operations and the the injury issues that he's had through his uh, career. Um, like you said, picking up somebody in the sixth round, if he pays off, it, we, we've got first second round talent with the That's sixth round pay. Something their way of thinking then, yeah. Yeah, but the strength and conditioning coach was the person that that allowed Munchak, who was extremely excited to still see him there, to um, to pick him yeah. up. So he's going to come in, and he will be Elijah Wilkinson. 
you'll have uh, Elijah Wilkinson swinging one way, and you'll have swinging to the left to play and cover bowls and put pressure on bowls, and then you'll have um, the the, um, the sixth round guy come in now, and he'll do the, other, the exact same thing on the right hand side. So he'll play behind Glasgow, put pressure on James. Um, will allow James if he's injured um, to be cut. Yeah to be whatever happens and you'll come and slide in and be right tackle. Um yeah. But like like I say there, he's he, I I was an interesting piece I read on Sunday morning uh, Monday morning when I was going through some of the draft things while I listened to it on the on my phone while I was working. And um yeah, they weren't gonna pick that guard at that position. Um but the strength and conditioning coach said yes and Mike Munchet was extremely happy about it. So that can only be another good another good yeah. pick up. If it's a Montiac man, then obviously he's seen you, something. You, you the know, thing is, right. you, the thing is, you've got you've got Cush that will be your starting centre. You've got Morris, who yeah. Munchak pounded the table for to be picked up from Pittsburgh, who's going to come in and play backup centre. Um, you start in five. I don't think yeah. there's a I don't think there's a better interior three um, to start yeah. with. You've got Risner, who's probably the best left guard out of the rookie class last year. Um, easily, easily going in to become a top ten um, offensive lineman yeah. this year. I would have thought if he carries on with his progression, you've got Kush who was one A or one B with um, Ruiz from Michigan, whichever way you look at it. So you can't get better than that. And then you've got Glasgow who's come highly touted, highly rated, one of the best guards you can possibly get in yeah, football to come and play at the side of him. So you put the three guys together at least for the next two years, two and a half, maybe three years. Glasgow over overperforms. You give him a new deal. Uh, Ron Leary didn't overperform, so we didn't give him a new deal. But look at the production we got from Leary. If we get the same sort of thing from Glasgow and with the Cush pickup, um, not the sexiest pick there, but he was the best uh, draft yeah. pick we had in the whole of draft, um, especially where we got him, especially what it allows the flexibility of the offensive line to be. Because Glasgow's a guard first, a centre second. Um, we've now got starting centre. We've now got starting guards. Everything's all tickety boo. We've got um, a right tackle that's been injured. Hopefully he'll come back and um, yeah. show his worth. You've got Bowles who, in the four games that Drew Lock was quarterbacking, Drew Lock got hit three times because of Bowles. There was one penalty on Bowles and there was one sack on Bowles in four games. Yeah, um, I'll happily take that for sixteen games and give the guy another chance. Um, I think was it? I read some words. Uh, Peyton Manning was hit or sat more times in that short amount of time than, than what Drew Lock was. So that the, says something, doesn't it? The thing with him was there is is like we said last year, you know, you, you, the game with the, the the offense and the game plan was also up to have a run game and then have Joe Flacco pass second. But for some reason, they were getting Joe Flacco to pass 20, 30, 40 times a game. It wasn't required. And it just put a lot of pressure on the offensive line. We've now had Munchak straight after the draft, uh, straight after the uh, bye week. He's got his head around everybody. He's got to grips with everybody, and the offensive line has performed absolutely fantastically. Um, we've just got a couple of pieces, younger, younger, cheaper pieces to come and slide in to the line. And like I said before, um, from what the I think it was Ed Reed, and, and I, I might it might be wrong. It might not be Ed Reed, but somebody was mentioning. Uh, like I said before, that you draft an offense uh, because it's cheaper, you get productivity out of them all, and then you um, pay for a defense. So hopefully, yeah. 
hopefully the five will solidify themselves. You've got a couple of swings in there in Wilkinson and the young lad we, we drafted in the sixth round. And then you've got your spare centre in, um, is he called Austin Morris? Patrick. Patrick Morris. Um, who's Austin? Oh, the tight yeah, end. Yeah, the tight end. So, yeah. And then, you know, you've got your eight. I think I think if we got twenty five, twenty five on offense when we build the build the um, roster, and twenty five on defense and your three special teamers. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think there'll be a space for everybody on the um, offensive line. And then Stuart today, kind of with the compensatory pick deadline over the next wave of free agency started, and the Broncos signing the defensive lineman Christian Covington to a one year. Deal with six hundred twenty-five thousand guaranteed. Played all sixteen games with the Cowboys last year. Um, what, what do you think he'll bring to the Broncos? Again, he's just going to come in. He, he, all he can do is provide depth and show that he he, he deserves um deserves a contract. I love the way that, that the teams pick these people up. Um, they come in and they and they they graft hard and they show you they're coming with a little bit of experience. The young lads look at them and it's yeah. The difference between young lads fighting young lads versus young lads fighting experience going, hang on a minute, he's been here before, he's done this before, look at what he's doing, right, I'll have to copy him and do that. You know, it's things like that. 625 grand is worth it because you're either going to get a gem or you're going to get a coach out of him. Yeah, yeah. For your, yeah. For your youth and excitement there. And it's, I think personally, that's the way to go about it. The coaches that we've got, that's what they like. We've, we've done that on defensive line um, a few times because the coach that we've got, uh, Collar, he loves doing that sort of thing. It's either Dakota Watson that we brought in last year uh, in the linebacker positions to come and g up the the linebackers yeah. to give Josie Jewell a bit of a kick kick up to make him see what uh, what to do on special teams, how to follow a veteran on special teams, etc., etc., etc. And this is what the this is what the defence do. Bill Collar's done it with a defensive line this year. Um, it, you have to look at it and just think the experience versus youth. Dave's mentioned before how how young the offen- the offense is. You're going to have to have a veteran um, head around your defense because you might be sitting on the field for five, six, seven plays, maybe two, three minutes going off. The offense might score the next play and you might be back on again. The youth might not be able to cope with this. They need the mindset. They need the veteran sort of... I don't yeah. know what it is, but the veteran yeah, sort of um, integration with them to let them know that this is how it's going to be from now on. And it can only be good news for everybody. Yeah. Right, and Dave, if you had to give this Broncos draft class an immediate grade, what would you give it? I'd be toying with this. <clears throat> if everything works out, and there's no injuries, it's, it's an A for me. Definitely. I was thinking about maybe a B+. Plus. But if it all from 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 the looks of it and the speed and that, I've got to give it an A because it it's it's just totally gone against the way I thought John Elway would have gone. You know, oh, we need a left tackle and we need a linebacker and this, and he's he's not really addressed it. And thought, no, this is the way, and I, I've got to tip me out to him. I'm gonna go A minus. Can't quite give it a full A because of the uh, lack of addressing a tackle. Obviously, if we'd have drafted a. So if we've got a left tackle in there, it could have been an A plus, but I'll stick with an A minus. And Stuart, I'm well. I'm always going to say I, I think drafting classes sh- should be C's 
always. You've got no idea what's going to happen. It's going to take two years to develop into what it's going to be. Um, on paper, on a paper, you could give it A plus very, very quickly, very easily, and the experts would give it very, very high grades. Personally, it's a C. If you rank the grade, uh, if you rank the uh, draft from last year, it's a solid B. And the year before that, it's a solid B. So if we get another solid B in a couple of years or next year out of this draft class, we're going the right way. Elway's done a fantastic job addressing who he wants, listen to the coaches for a change rather than the fans. Um, and hopefully we will reap the uh, the rewards for um, another aggressive and uh, a very good draft class. I think it's obviously helped and it's showed this year that having a quarterback in place, you know what I mean? It does, is, one, does wonders for you, doesn't it? With your the, mindset and everything. Well, the thing is with that is you've got your um, major piece. You've got your major captain set yeah. in stone. So when he's set in stone, you just build around him. When he's fluid constantly, you can't build around him because yeah. the fluid is washing all the pieces away. So he sits in. You've got your quarterback. Everyone that's on there, the, Pat Sherman's come in. Yes, Drew Locke's my quarterback. Right, def- build a game plan for him. He comes in with his game plan, what pieces do you need? I need this, 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 this. Right, okay, I will now go out and draft that, that, that for you. And that's what they've done. They've listened to the coaches on a couple of uh, picks in the, at the back end of the draft that are either going to be first-class uh, grades or they're going to be working in Foot Locker in two years' time. But it's not a second-round pick that they've done that with like they have been doing previously. Yeah. That's where you. That's where I think the, the teams will, will will realize where we need to go. There, Bowles is on his last year of his deal. Next year, he's got to be offered a fifth-year option. If he's not good enough, he won't get it. And then we'll have yes, to then exactly. immediate. Then our immediate draft need then will be a left tackle, and Correct. then we can put all the capital into a left tackle. And once we come away with that left tackle, we then have the strength, hopefully, with the swings and the backups to come around it to keep the defensive line a massive strength unit it's the same with defensive line if that ever loses a, a few pieces like we have done we lost Wolf we've lost Goats yeah. we picked up Shelby Harris well, alright technically it was ours anyway but we picked up Shelby Harris from Fancy again and we got Jarrell Casey for pretty much a bag of chips and a beer and it's yeah. just how can you how can you grumble against that when you look at the, the draft trade uh, trade from last year with the um, uh Pittsburgh Steelers when everybody wanted us to take Devin Bush. Yeah, look at how well that's worked out for us. You look at how well that's worked out for us. Uh, the fans yeah. that were calling for Elway to jump off a bridge and now sitting there going, oh, I knew Elway was going to be brilliant. And that's yeah. just the fickleness of fans. If you listen to fans, you will be fickle in your drafting strategy. Listen to your coaches and hopefully you'll build successful units. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about, the, you know, the, 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 buying a defence. I think I read we had fourth most cap space left. And I, I think it was twenty four, twenty five million. I appreciate maybe ten of that's got to go on the draft class. There's like a fair bit of money there. Then you know to bring in more help with your defense. You know it, it shouldn't be used for bringing in. It should be used for and to stop situations like the Justin Simmons uh, debacle, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Derek Wolf debacle. The Chris Harris debacle, the Von Miller debacle. You can keep going on and on and on about all the mistakes that they made by not extending because they wanted the money for other things. Yeah. This is where you need to be smart now and just say, listen, Joe Bloggs is on his last year. He's integral. Give him a new deal to stop him from walking away next year. And yeah. 
and so on. Matt if you make... Linzer, I think yeah. he'll need to be tied down if, this year because it, he's going to definitely play with more of a chip on his shoulder than ever before now because they brought Gordon in. Yeah, but that's what you need. You need you need a competition. You need somebody looking over your shoulder, desperate to take your job because then it makes you play better. Yeah. As, right. as Coach Kubiak said, iron sharpens iron. And there who was it who's come in and said that? One of the one of the players has, has I'm not sure one of the rookies has come in and said that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Someone's eating their sweets. No, I was tidying up my bedroom. <laughs> Being told off to have you. One hundred percent I'm gonna to get told if I believe that, are you? <laughs> right. Well, that's all we've got time for on tonight's show. Thanks as ever for tuning in thanks to Zach for joining us this week and um, we'll be back at some point in the near future to talk some more Broncos Go Broncos!